Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back for Anatomy of a Movie, where we're talking Keanu. No, not Keanu Reeves. Keanu, as in the movie by Kean Peele. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. That's right, kitten. We talk movies here. <laughs> kitten, please. Uh, we're talking Keanu here on Popcorn Talks. Anatomy of a Movie. We've got Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at SerafiniTV. And uh, the voice from the booth, the disembodied figure, but you can see him if you're watching on video, Zach Wilson. Hey, guys. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. It was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Let me ask you this quick question before we fully get started. Are we going to talk more about Key and Peele or more about George Michael? What will, like, ultimately <laughs> I think up- there was a fair balance between both of those. Uh, definitely. Um, for those of you joining us for the first time, we dissect the movies at uh, in depth, where we talk about you know casting, the story, um, and all of production. So we assume you've seen the movie. It's a very spoiler filled, so don't be surprised. Stop now if you haven't seen the movie. Go see the movie because it's very very funny, and uh, then come back to us. Uh, and you can get all of our rundowns in the description, so that way you can kind of follow along with us as well. So, as we always like to do, let's start with overall impressions. Why don't we start with you, Marissa? All right. Well, Key and Peele, I haven't actually seen their full show in length, but I've seen a few episodes here and there, and they always make me laugh. And um, seeing, you know, Keegan-Michael Key in a a few other movies and stuff, like, he's funny. So I I know these guys are are really funny, and it's nice to... I was excited to see a full feature-length film from them. Um, and just watching the trailers, I was like, yeah, I would totally see this movie. It seems ridiculous, but it looks really fun. And sure enough, it was that kind of movie. Absolutely. And Zach, what about for you, buddy? I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect movie. Like there are parts of it that don't necessarily make sense. Uh, but I was laughing throughout. Like the, the jokes landed, everything was funny. And that's honestly, that was all I wanted out of this movie. And there were kittens running around. So much kittens. Or one kitten, but it was a bunch of them, technically. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the premise. The fact that you can hang your hat on uh, this ridiculous premise of a kitten gets stolen um, and we got to get it back. I mean, you know, um, the closest I think I can think of, of a movie like this is Homeward Bound. Obviously, totally <laughs> different in terms of tone. <laughs> Um, and so I like that they took kind of that concept of pets being lost and spun it on its head. And, you know, what, what I also like, you know, and having done the research for this now, um, they're so just their attention to, uh, I mean, they both have very diverse backgrounds in terms of race and the, the fact that they were kind of able to bring that in. Um, I enjoyed it. I, th- I thought they did a wonderful thing. And so, you know what, whatever the faults of the movie may be, you know what? I can I can surpass that because I'm always looking for a good comedy, and I think this is this has a lot of uh, rewatchability, and I think it'll pick up steam in years to come, and it's going to be remembered as a good comedy. Yeah, absolutely. What I liked about this film is like it kept me laughing throughout the whole film. There there really weren't any like boring parts. It was still funny no matter where you went along on the ride with these guys. So. Absolutely. Well, uh, one of the, so in terms of the development of this, they back in October, um, New Line Cinema kind of announced this. Um, it, but I wanted to get your guys' take because it was similarly announced with uh, John Wick, and many people thought that this was just a parody, that this was a spoof of what was happening. And I, to a degree, understand it because here you have a movie named Keanu 
John Wick is starring Keanu Reeves. So it's kind of confusing in that regard. Uh, but at the same time, I don't fully understand it. And I wanted to kind of get your guys' take um, on that and why people were so confused initially. I think it was just a basic it had i never saw john wick but i know the basic uh premise was similar right it was like about it was centered around an animal that got uh an animal and bad guys and hunting them down i wouldn't even say here's the thing like you know uh to kind of spoil john wick a little bit by the way we did do an (laughs) enemy for it i'm gonna give you 12 more seconds uh before you tune out on spoiler um in john wick yeah the dog is very absolutely the dog is um there's a scene where they do brutal things to the dog but it's not necessarily the catalyst for all of it and the dog's in it ultimately for like five minutes whereas this you know it's all about keanu i mean it's so much so that it's not it's named keanu I mean, it was it's the it's the fun premise. I mean, this to me, the uh, this seemed like it was just born out of, hey, what if we did a movie about cats? Because cats are popular, and then it just. But like Keat with Key and Peele, they do so much quality sketch comedy that taking this and then bringing it to the level where something so ridiculous as just a movie centered around a kitten is hilarious because just because of who they are and what they bring to creatively to the to the process one of the craziest things for me in this um i just want to make sure i have him correct um i think it's it's um keegan uh he's allergic to cats so the (laughs) fact that like he knew this and uh, like just right from inception that he was okay with the idea that he's allergic to cats and this whole movie (laughs) he's gonna have to be around kittens is just so funny to me and, and and just shows their dedication of you know because right you could see that right from the get-go of being like uh, guys mm-hmm. i don't know if i can do this movie well i think that just just shows how game he was for this story and how much he wanted to do it, that he's willing to put himself through that and i think that's just shows like a good actor would you know suffer for the art <laughs> absolutely so um luckily that wasn't a roadblock initially um you know, and, and just just trying to think of like other people who's done that. I know Deborah Messing; she's allergic to flowers, and yes, she did the wedding date, which is you know all about weddings and being surrounded by flowers. So you know, some some actors go through that. Yeah. Indeed, I would. I you know, you and suffer it, for your art. You suffer for your art, exactly. Well, the, you know, I mean, there's yeah, I guess there's different types of suffering. Ultimately, I mean, there's the revenant type of suffering where you like. You, you're you know you can do that, but it's like why well, do it? Whereas this is like, so anyway, uh, so let's talk about the writing. Uh, Jordan Peele and Alex Rubens obvi- obviously both were involved in in Key and Peele um, on Comedy Central. Um, Alex having directed a lot of the stuff, um, you know, and, and just the the blend of you know this action and this absurd premise. Um, and, and Zach, I want to go to you because uh, Marissa isn't. Uh, a resident expert by any means, unfortunately, on Key and Peele. I'm not. You are. I mean, I've seen I've not all of their show, but a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing you can just sit down with for several hours. Um, I mean, it's what they do is is classic, well-done sketch comedy. And I think the biggest thing about them is that they always go big with everything. Like, they'll take a simple premise 
and they build the way their comedy builds is just so structurally perfect. They know exactly what they're doing when they heighten a sketch, and that's what this movie does. It it takes the the premise of okay, well, a, I found a cat. What's the most ridiculous way that this cat could have been like if it was lost? What's the most ridiculous place it could have been before I found it? Oh, it was a it was in a drug lab with uh with a, <laughs> with a and it, it was a shootout and it was the gangster's favorite pet and then it got away. It, like that's the the most extreme version of it. And that's what they're good at is finding the most extreme version of a story. Yeah, and I also like the the notion of the, the spawned out of their love of action movies from the 80s and the 90s and you know, when you go back to those, like the, there's such a great element of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of many movies nowadays that have, you know, the, the crime as well as the comedy, uh, you know, mixed so well. And so I, I appreciate, obviously, I wouldn't, I, I call this more of a comedy than, than an action movie, even though there's obviously tons of action. Maybe that's just me skewing it. But um, but I, I enjoyed what they were going for, and, and, and that, that was their kind of catalyst to do this. Yeah, I mean, I get the, the 80s, 90s feel because, you know, this is a buddy comedy. There's two of them. And, you know, like the big movies back then were probably like Lethal Weapon. And then you had, you know, Die Hard every once in a while. Um, there, You know, so you, you have your few movies that always have like that the buddy duo pairing through a crazy situation, which is always fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, as I think as an action movie, it's good, maybe not great. But as a comedy, it very well, very much succeeds. As an action movie, it's good. As a comedy, it's great. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, and the whole notion of just everybody loves kittens, so let's go with that. <laughs> uh, now, Zach, you had done some research about why they ultimately named him Keanu. I have a little bit, but um, no, why don't we meet in the middle? Why don't you kind of open it up as to why they actually named him Keanu? I mean, for what I saw, it was mainly just, like, that's what this, like, they're a fan of Keanu Reeves' movies, and it's just, that's a ridiculous name for a cat. Did you have, like, an actual... Yeah, so I have a, I have a quote I have a quote from uh, Peel. He says, Keanu is one of those names. It's funny because it only belongs to one person. Any name like that, like Sigourney or fucking Joaquin, is automatically funny to me. He's the leading man. He's the Hollywood kitten. He's the hero. He's the one. that. So that's why Keanu was chosen, ultimately. I knew a Joaquin in college. There's at least two of them out in the world. Yeah, but like Joaquin Phoenix status? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just an absurd name to exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can't say I've ever met a Keanu that wasn't Keanu Reeves. That, that assumes you've met Keanu Reeves. I have not met, I've not met any Keanus, to clarify. <laughs> right. But I think that's also very smart. Like, picking a name that's easily distinguishable and then... Having that, you know, already following of Keanu Reeves to bring to this kind of film. And we know, like, Keanu, who's Keanu Reeves, the real guy, who he's actually done a lot of action movies. And I think it kind of goes in the same demographic to get those fans and yeah, busts in the seats. That was, I mean, I, I applaud them because they were smart. And that was one of the goals that they had was, listen, we know we can make a comedy. We know we can make it good. But by going to the the big screen, we want to sort of expand our audience and go broader. Well, how do we do that? Well, if we name it Keanu, that perhaps has uh, mass appeal. 
um, and, and going from there. So that way, people like you, Mercer, who may not be as familiar, now you are, right? And mm-hmm. you know, and and people that have kind of seen um, some of these sketches, right? Uh, they know that most of their fan base also comes from the fact of like just people sharing these videos over email, like, hey, check out this sketch, check out this sketch, and so the hope was this would be a centerpiece for people to now go to. Uh, and so I, yep. you know, I, I applaud it. <laughs> I absolutely applaud it. Um, I mean, it's good to see these guys collaborate again on the big screen. I know they, they talked about the fact that they sometimes need a break from each other creatively, um, which as somebody who works often with a writing partner, I would say I work more with my writing partner than without him. Um, it is good to just get a break from people because if you're in the if you're in the same room with somebody for too long working on one project or two projects it can become you're just like i don't like any you're not funny go away but like it is funny you just need a break from that person i think it's that too and you know i also think not even from a person to person relationship thing i think there, there there is something beneficial where number one you guys can both walk away creatively and then have different experiences right because that's what you know having ultimately more than one writer is all about is that you guys can come together and if you guys are at a certain point sharing the same experiences you guys have nothing new to bring to the table but if you go out you know separate for a bit now you experience life or whatever and now you can bring that to the table um so i think it's more of a to me at least it's more of a creative thing rather than like oh my god i can't stand to be in the same room as this person yeah I mean, I think yeah. everyone goes through that every once in a while. But I think that's that's also just the creative process in general. Sometimes it's hard to actually go like from start to end without any breaks. That's basically nearly impossible. So it's it just makes sense that there are natural breaks from your you know writing creative partner or whatever during a production. Yeah, um, I did. Miss, I, I do want to go back to this because I, I slightly missed it. Um, but originally, the film was going to be called New Jack Kitty. Um, and as it's explained, <laughs> I went to sleep one night and an angel came to my bed and said, no, save the puns for the next movie. <laughs> so, yeah, cause there were no puns in this movie at all. None whatsoever. I, I can't think of a single one. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, so let's talk about this cause it's obviously, you know, uh, moving into the story parts of it. Um, there's so much that it draws upon, but what did for you guys? What was the most evident thing that you saw in terms of inspiration? Whether it's actually true or just something that you felt, like in terms of like other movies, yeah. Because um, obviously there's that influence. Mm, well, I mean, I didn't really see it as like trying to find their influences. I saw it more so like. I love the fact that they took this this most innocent creature in the world and they went over the top like what's the most craziest story we can have this uh, creature do or be a part of and I liked the irony in that um, I'm trying to think of other movies that might have had like something uh, innocuous and yet they made it crazy in that way I mean it almost plays out like a Saturday Night Live movie Mm-hmm. Like one of those, not not in a, a bad way, because those movies are, are are obviously very hit and miss. But it it's sort of an extended sketch, um, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Um, some stories can last for two hours, some last for two minutes. Uh, this one just like it was very 
sketchy in its just level of absurdity. It didn't need to be realistic in that way that sketch comedy doesn't worry about this could really happen in the real world. As long as you justify it, the steps into the existence, it's still the audience will still get it. And that's sort of how I felt about this movie. It doesn't make sense that like all of these things that they track the cat through the city. Like that's illogical, but it doesn't matter because it's, it it works for the humor of the story. Yeah. I mean, mean, one thing that like kind of for some reason comes to mind is like uh, PB Herman's big adventure Mm -hmm. in like kind of in reverse when he loses his bike and he goes on this crazy adventure to go find it. I, I kind of feel like it might be in the same vein where, you know, the guys lost this kitten and then, you know, they find it and go on this crazy adventure and whatever happens with the kitten. So this, this is a good analogy. Um, what about this, right? I did, for me, if I had to nitpick anything, I felt once they got into character, uh, meaning Shark Tank and Tectonic, <laughs> That that's when the movie elevated in terms of its comedy. Because before that, uh, Raoul and um, what's his uh, Clarence, you know, they weren't as funny to me. You know, it was it was until they became heightened versions of themselves that it just it it just took it to the nth degree. And I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Yeah, I mean, I like that because I think that was the whole point. They clearly established these characters as like the most normal regular guys and like how would they ever get swept up in the craziness that is about to go down and i liked how you know kiana came into their lives and threw them a curveball and they had to be people who they weren't just to get into that crazy world it was sort of like they were playing the straight man characters to themselves like they managed to play like the crazy fish out of water characters but also be the straight man because um, they drop themselves into this gangster world, so they're fish out of water, and they just, but they just drop into it in this ridiculous way. I mean, Shark Tank is Shark Tank. It's Tectonic. Tell them it's the most like suburban gangster name you could have ever come up with. <laughs> it's great. It's funny because you know if you think about the actual show Shark Tank, that's like one of the most high white collar kind of shows. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, what was it? Is it? Was tectonic a reference to anything, or just it was just so weird and odd, like know. tectonic plates? That, yeah, like I who mean, thinks of that? It's like a it's a science term. Like it's not just it's not something from the streets. It's not like <laughs> yo, this is nine millimeter. No, this is tectonic, like the San Andreas fault that could kill us all at any moment. <laughs> oh my! Maybe God. they went with that. Like, you, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. It's like tectonic plates. Like, that's violent. That's dangerous in a, in a very natural sort of way. Always unpredictable. <laughs> I did like, uh, I, I you know, uh, I love that aspect of the whiteness versus, like, gangster culture and, and whatever else. And I thought uh, they've played they played that so so well and obviously george michael and we'll talk about him there's a whole <laughs> section dedicated just for george michael um but but i absolutely loved it um the way they were able to to twist that on its head i think it was really funny and i think that was a great blend of the two worlds crashing but in a very comedic way um let me let me ask you guys this um in 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 terms of like the culture and things like that like what do you think um 
I'm trying to figure out the right way to kind of ask it and ultimately what I'm trying to ask. But, like, in, in terms of all the references, right? The Bloods versus Crips, um, where they're the blips. And then the... Um, I love that. The B team, the the gangster B squad. Yeah. <laughs> the rejects, they go form their own. Like, where are they? 17th Street. Like, where does this all ultimately come from? And I don't even know if that's the right question to ask, but... Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. What can you say really about comedies? Because it's just hilarious. I think that's what made it funny because there were so many crazy people in this universe that we're watching that shouldn't really should they be there? That's the question. Like we kind of know that they shouldn't be there, but it's fun to see all these different types of personalities. Like how did they even get there in the first place? And I think that's you know the joy of just watching it all unfold. Yeah, and, you know it, what. So uh, Peel, he also said, like, um, you know, guys like Keegan and I never have been leads in an action movie. Uh, and so Keanu's kind of a wonderful symbol where Key and Peel in this movie, they're able to step in the genre. Um, but it wouldn't have been if they didn't write it themselves. So mm-hmm. I, I like that whole, you know, I, I agree. Like none of the blips and anything else would not be possible unless they really sat down and, and did this. And um, as we'll talk about more. A little bit later on, what I like about this, like if, if you look up the credits of most of these other people, number one, they've primarily just been involved in um, the, the sketch comedy show. And so they don't really have other credits than that. And I, I appreciate that, that, that the entire team got back together. What was the cinematographers, the writers, the, the editors and so forth. And they just wanted to create this amazing movie. Um, and they have that collaboration where they were able to achieve that. I think that's great also for, you know, people who do have that talent of writing and producing and putting something together, such as their show, and they loved it so much that they put something as a feature-length film out there into the world. And I think that's just great on people because when opportunities aren't there for you, like what Keegan was saying, like they normally probably wouldn't get casted at least. So they wrote an opportunity for themselves to do that. So I think good for them. So much so that they were actually the Allentown brothers. And did you did you guys know that they were actually playing the the, the brothers? Because I had no clue whatsoever oh, until the, later. The instant they walked in, like I think just from watching their show, uh, I've seen them in so many different makeup getups and like ridiculous things that like just the size. Mm-hmm. I, I I knew just from like the height difference and like. The, the size and the shape of the two people is like, oh, that's Key and Peele. For a moment, I thought it might be like a flash forward that it was going to be like how these two characters end up by the end of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been a funny twist <laughs> that uh, Rel and uh, Clarence just wind up as super hardcore murderers. <laughs> but I, I like them playing. It, 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 again, fit like what we, what, like as a fan of Key and Peele, like what I know about them as performers they always they like to play multiple roles they like they're not afraid to put on a wig for for uh and be to play a woman for a sketch like it's just part of what they do is get into ridiculous costumes and become other characters well the thing i would say that's slightly different right that there's a difference between um what was that ter- white chicks right where like they dress up as, as, oh. as you know what i mean where you dress up like a girl but it's just so terrible and that kind of becomes the comedy whereas in this I legitimately bought into the fact that, they, that these are scary guys. Yeah, and they looked they looked the part. There was no like this is ridiculous. It was just like wow. It, 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 uh, 
Um, uh, who, who's the guy who plays Danny Trejo, right? It looked like it, this could be a distant cousin of Danny Trejo. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Phil. I didn't realize it to the, to the end credits when they showed that they had dual roles. I was like, oh, shoot, I should have known. Because there were some close-up shots of these guys, uh, of the dark guys. And uh, what were their names? The, the oil, Allentown. Yeah, Allentown brothers. Oil I Dresden don't... and Smoke Dresden, the Dresden guys. But there were some close-ups, and you could like see their facial reactions, and still, even that close, I didn't realize it was them. So, yeah. good on the makeup. Absolutely. And, and kind of, I guess, for me, if I'm to admit, one of the things that definitely had me fooled was when they were in the scene together where, uh, you know, Rel and Clarence are tied up, and then they're being, whatever, you can call it interrogated um, by or th- certainly threatened by the Allentown brothers, so the fact that they were in a scene together definitely threw me off. Yeah, and I like that with you know just cinematography, how we always see like doubles of the same people, and I'm like I always find it interesting how they film that with you know uh, um, they call it motion con- motion control and how they um, automatically have it like recorded and set to a certain time on the camera to get everyone shot in the same scene. Um, I th- I think it's it's always fun when you know television shows or movies do that. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and I, I thought they they did a wonderful job of it with each other. Um, who was your in terms of uh, secondary characters? Who was one of your more favorite secondary characters? I liked um, High C. She was High cool C. because I mean at. Because even watching it, I was trying to think, like, how does she get involved with those guys? And the fact that she was getting a little close to, um, to, Rel. to Clarence a little bit. Was it, no, uh, Rel. Rel. Right? Oh, yes. Like, yeah. yeah, you're right. Rel. Rel. I was reading the minutes. Um, Rel. Um, but, like, I like this. And it was like, she can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Because there were some like soft, vulnerable moments with her and Rel, and I was like, no, she can't be all that bad to be in that game. Yeah. Speaking of uh, secondary characters, guys, we're gonna throw to a commercial real quick because we've got Sarah Stretton coming in. Cool. So she's we- not secondary. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, we'll be tertiary. right back. Uh, right back. Sounds after good. This brief message. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We've we've added Sarah Stratton, our high C. That's my that's my favorite character. That's what I was just gonna get that's into. Well, that's saying. why we brought you in. I was like, I really liked High C. She was cool. I really liked her. I was actually surprised by her twist. I didn't see that coming. I thought that she played like, I don't know. She didn't. It was just like a very like natural but funny but like in control badass girl. I liked it. She was my she was my favorite 
Indeed. Uh, you know, so one of the things that obviously threw it off was the whole Anna Ferris scene, which uh, that was one of the more lengthier scenes, but I thought funny. And uh, I personally enjoyed that because uh, Anna Ferris recently just came out with her podcast and she was on Adam Carolla, so I, I listened to her there. So knowing her kind of personality a little bit more as a person mm-hmm. um, to then seeing her in this movie just, just made it all the better. Because that, she's she's just such a lovable person and loves people. I kind of thought, although I thought the pacing in general was really fun for this movie, even though the end wrapped up really quickly, her scenes was a little bit on the draggy side for me. It was a weird. It was it, a weird scene. It it, it, it was. was. It was. It was funny once they... Le- I like that they slow played that she was Anna Faris. Like, they let us think, like, she could not be. And then they're just like, no. Anna Faris is into very ridiculous drugs and potentially murdering people. Yeah, and it was also great because it, it was such a fun movie that they could have taken that scene in any direction. Like, when she brought out the samurai sword, I really thought she could start chopping them to bits, like, from the get-go. Um, so I like that they set up just a movie where anything was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the slow reveal, but in general, if I had to pick the scenes, a scene that dragged, I think that that would be one of my contenders. I think so. I mean, I mean it was probably one of those things. Well, we have Anna Ferris, so why cut it? User. Uh, That's true. Also, to be fair, it's an Anna Ferris lookalike, right? The, <laughs> didn't they say at the end of the movie that they hire lookalikes? Oh, did they? I, I missed that. I, I missed that too. I think that's the, the, true. Yeah, because the whole explanation at the end kind of threw me off a bit. I was like, okay, so what was the purpose of Anna Faris' scene if she was only hired to do that? But if it was a lookalike, that makes more way more sense. If it, that was a lookalike, that was the most lookalike lookalike <laughs> I've ever seen. Well, it wasn't technically a lookalike. It was the real Anna Faris. <sighs> but, but she was supposed to play a lookalike, quote unquote. So it's a lookalike. It's Anna Faris. Playing, playing a lookalike on a Ferris. Correct. I believe that is potentially the case. I think one of the only other That's like Julia Roberts in Ocean's, Ocean's 12. Thir- yeah, Ocean's 12, yeah. Playing, everyone's like, you look like Julia Roberts. She's like, yeah, I get that all the time. That's exactly what I was thinking, Ocean's 12. But That's where this- they stole that from. <laughs> the only the only issue with, the, with that whole scene is like, wh- if they were all in on the, the drug dealing... Like, if High C was in on it, if Anna Ferris was in on it, if the other two people were in on it, what, were they just trying to bust him? Because they were taking forever for that drug deal to go down. Like, they were, like, intentionally stalling. Right. And that was the only thing I couldn't figure out. And they also were taking the drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. just to it's throw that true. out there. There was, very there, was some, there was some plot holes. Um, well, to be fair, it was High C who brought in the drugs so they could have been fake drugs. I didn't get that impression from the reaction once the drugs were taken. The holy shit. The, <laughs> they were we, fake we do, drugs. We do have uh, some help out in the uh, from the chat roll. Uh, the cult of pop is reminded us that, no, they said they hire celebrities for stings all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. Got it. Got well, it. Well, I think also, you know, we keep mentioning that it was a long scene. Granted, a lot went on, but you got to remember this on a fair scene was always intercut with the George Michaels in the car. So I think we had two juxtaposed scenes together that kind of just drug it out the whole time. Yeah, and it was the same joke in the car for a while. So 
It, it, it did feel long. It I was still like funny. It. Like, I still laughed at multiple points. It wasn't that I laughed in the beginning of that scene and stopped laughing throughout. But I was like, yeah, this is, this is a little bit on the longer side when compared to all of the great funny scenes they had. Well, that, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was going to say, that was the thing with, uh, although the Anna Ferris seemed, like, for me, like, didn't land as heavy. Like, it could have been cut down by, like, 50%. I think even the fact that they cut into the scene in the van which was so funny and absurd <laughs> with these gangsters learning about the history of George Michael and then singing um, it kept me laughing throughout that whole sequence regardless of whether or not every joke was landing I was laughing constantly do you actually have to know George Michael in the sense that he is white and his father figure like you know what I mean <gasps> Or, like, if you don't know that fact, are you kind of equally confused? I like the gangsters. I think you mean, I think that the joke is helped. You don't need to know, like, the biography of George Michael. But if you know kind of what his image was, like, as it's just like, oh, how do you even describe George Michael? It's like clean-cut American. American, like, the epitome of American. White White, yeah. Um... I mean, I'm not familiar with George Michael at all. Like, I, I wouldn't know ha- most of his songs if I heard them. Um, like, I wouldn't be able to say, oh, yeah, that's George Michael. But, like, they played his music enough that, like, we know he's not the guy that is being described in this scene. So it still works, even if you're not familiar with him at all. I mean, I, I to me, I've grown up with a lot of George Michael references, Zach. I don't know, you're an Arrested Development fan, correct? That's like primary. That's the probably the primary place I know the name George Michael from. Yeah. So the, the whole whiteization of George Michael has uh, been in my context for a long time, thanks to that TV show. <laughs> well, maybe not just Arrested Development. Just like the musician and the guy himself of George Michael. He's yes, he's very American in image wise, but his lyrics and his music is very clean as well, for the most part. And I, I think he's just, like, the most regular guy to have, again, as a reference, to throw in this crazy world. Well, as a side note, I don't know if you guys have already mentioned it, but other, like, quote-unquote, really white music was also considered. Like, Paul Simon mm-hmm. was in- considered instead of George Michael. Mm-hmm. It was, that was the look they were going for. It's just kind of crazy. And, uh, yeah, and, and to add to that, I think you pulled this one. Um, the director said, since we've been making this movie, I've been listening to nothing but George Michael and the most fucking hardcore strip club rap music. <laughs> and it's the best combination of music. It makes me feel sexy all the time. All different types of sexy. <laughs> so the juxtaposition um, is, is wonderful. And I loved at the end when they said, Wait, I bet he had a father. Well, it's normally how comedy works. Comedy is juxtaposition, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a clash of context. It's like it's a it's a classic clash of context scenario. You have gangsters who shouldn't, who would never be listening to this, and they are just l- loving George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> they, who could they couldn't get enough? Do you think people like are George actually Michael's starting brother, to listen right? to George Michael thanks to this movie, or no? Maybe. I mean, if it opens up that world, sure. I feel like that keeps happening. Like, a lot of, like, old, like, 80s pop, like, artists will suddenly have this resurgence in sales after being referenced in a movie. Like, oh, 100%. Um, like, Archer uh, spurred, like, a massive resurgence in downloading Danger Zone. Or um, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Oh, yeah. that oh, right. was just a oh, huge yep. soundtrack that brought in. Well, that they did, that they feeling, did it man. wonderfully because that was an actual soundtrack mm-hmm. and yeah, mixtape and all that. So uh, this was but, just the George Michael soundtrack yeah. and rap. I think Peter Gabriel I mean, could have also been a great selection. Deadpool just brought back like Salt and Pepper, so there yep. you go. <laughs> sure. Uh, very good. Um, what? Let's talk about uh, Method Man. I thought he did a wonderful <laughs> job at <laughs> being very scary. Um, ironically named Cheddar. Um, or and is another thing, he's named Cheese. In The Wire. Yes. So, so an homage to that. He put Cheddar Cheese on his resume. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. He's in a lot of great movies, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a nice mix of comedy and action. So, obviously, works like uh, How High, Fast and Furious, 8 Mile, Gone 60 Seconds. So, good, good, good mix. I think, just, I think just everyone did a really nice job of commitment to really wanting the cat. <laughs> I, 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 I'll give that to all. I don't of them. think that was hard motivation. To be honest, it was such an adorable kitten. Like we totally bought that every one of these people would like every fight to the death over, oh, over Keanu. the kitten. <laughs> the kitten also had very little allegiance. I'm just going to put that out there. Very little what? Allegiance. <laughs> yeah, the kitten was kind of like I'll t- I'll take whoever. I mean, it's a kitten. <laughs> I thought, no, I, I saw the love between uh, between Raul and, and and Keanu. I think maybe at the, like the very end, but I saw the love between like Keanu and Cheddar. Mm. Wait, was it all the bling? <laughs> it was the snuggling, the, the snuggling of the kittens, <laughs> and the willingness to put up with all those photo shoots. <sighs> Or just outfits in general, because it's a, it's a very well mannered cat. And had a lot of different wardrobes. Yeah, yeah, I, I did like that. As um, speaking of um, the whole getter, getter, I did like that as a catalyst for the love relationship between uh, Rel and, and Keanu. I believe the quote was, uh, "Get that bitch." <laughs> so yes. this is one of our more explicit podcasts, I'm guessing. It is. It is. Um, it is Keanu. We're talking about Keanu here. So yeah, I think I think we might have dropped an F bomb here and there. It did actually catch me by surprise. I think maybe I just hadn't delved into the marketing as much, like the trailers. Um, but I I almost expected it to be a cleaner, like PG thirteen movie. I agree. I definitely thought that. I also was one of the one of those people who really bought onto this was a John Wick parody movie, and thought that for a very long time. Like, I think that's one of the first reference I heard about this movie was that it was a John Wick parody movie. So I thought that's what the truth of this film was. I didn't know that that was just, like, a rumor or an association that people have made after the fact, after they're made separately. I thought that was what this movie was. So luckily I found out just before seeing it, so I wasn't completely taken off guard. Um but the thing, I wouldn't say it's not a parody movie, but it's it's no different than the scary movie series. Like you kind of pick a base of what you're parodying, and then you know add on top of that. But to just parody the guy, I, I, I wouldn't want to parody just John Wick. Well, they it but, also gives John Wick way more more credit than it actually deserves. <laughs> not that it's a bad movie. People I'm just saying. love John Wick. It was, that was yeah. a surprise kind of film. That was one of those ones that although it didn't make a lot of money, people loved it. People loved it. It's a good movie. It's getting a second one. Yes, it is. Crazy. Will Keanu get a second one? That is the question. I think it depends on these guys, ultimately, to be honest. Where would you even take it? 
Well, if, the kitten never ages, so we know that. What if Keanu had kittens and it'd oh, be about I, the litter? Speaking of that, like the the Allentown brothers, you know, I, I didn't want to jump this thing too far ahead, but if we're here, might as well. Uh, the Allentown brothers. Did you guys all stay for this the end sequence? I waited and thought there was going to be an end sequence, and there was. There was. Was they it get at the up. like very very end? The Allentown brothers. They get up and walk away, and they look pissed as they normally do. <laughs> And I think they're going to, you know, roll huh. some heads. So, in fairness, oh, well. I was there you go. Not they're to jump back. ahead either that they went to jail for potential murder that they didn't even commit, technically. No, it's not the murders that they committed. It's It was, um, it was the damages. The yeah. I was actually trying to figure out after the movie exactly <laughs> what you could arrest them for. Same. Exactly, yeah. Almost everything they did, you could argue self-defense. Self-defense. <laughs> um, like I guess they like they mostly they like they like stole some cars and stuff, but that was like they were had they had guns to their head or any number of things that you could legally get out of. I think it's just like getting because they went along with the drug thing of their own free will at the beginning is the only thing I could even point to. Yeah, it's it's a little hazy. I think that because of like the extreme nature of this, like comedy, it would have been just as believable for at the very end them to have got away kind of scot free with like a thanks for helping us get all of these horrible people. Like we'll forgive everything you've done. That could have been just as in this world believable of a scenario as what they ended up. But that's, yeah. yeah, that's sort of what I expected them to do. Although it was sort of worth it just for the the kitten paw on the glass, <laughs> <laughs> the love, I, and the fact that like the rest of them were also in the same prison with them. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, even if Clarence was probably given a choice, I think he would have done it just for the street cred. You know, because I mean, six months—it's a—it's t- a—it's not too bad actually. It's not terrible, and you build up your street cred. So that's what I think ultimately they would have decided anyway. His wife will be happy. And in some weird twisted way, what I like about it is, that, again, the, the, the message is just so hokey of like, every action has a consequence. <laughs> and that's and what also, you're left with. And it's something we very rarely see with this type of movie. Normally, your, I don't, foolish heroes end up getting off scot-free. Like they end up all in the good, and although I didn't, they didn't portray jail being the worst consequence. It is a consequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. What about uh, the the whole subplot of uh, Clarence's wife? Uh, what was your guys' thoughts on that? Um, when he, you know, just in general, but I, I loved when he finally kind of hulked up and just punched him in his face because I I saw that from the get go, and I don't think they tried to hide it too much. Oh, this guy is just the the biggest guy. I was like, yeah, my wife is sick. <laughs> but that my wife is sick. Excuse, I wasn't buying it. Yeah, I I like the wife because she was like that uh, consistent point and focal point for Clarence's character to him to realize like who he really was. Yeah, he got swept up in his personality and persona he was putting on, but she was always there to kind of like help bring him back to his normal self. And then even at the end, despite everything they just went through, it was mostly him who punched the guy. So I was like, and then, of course, she was turned on. So I didn't think it was the most dynamic part of his storyline. Like, um, I think that a lot of the wife scenes kind of 
can be summarized quickly. There's not a ton of laughs attached. But I, what I liked about that component is that it kept us away from Clarence being too crazy, like, in the club. Or he really, it really kept him stuck with, the, like, the friendship and the respect that he was getting from these gangsters versus into, like, a complete, quote-unquote, gangster life. Like, we didn't see him completely 180, leave his family, start, you know, dancing with all the strippers. It still gave him a line, which I, which I liked. I thought it was good motivation. Like, it was a solid motivation for him to behave the way he was behaving. Because you couldn't just, like, if you just, like, had this guy who behaves like this, like, he's very, like, clean, white-collar suburban, and then he just drops into this gangster mode to get his friend's cat back. That's a little too insane. True. But mm-hmm. with this little impetus of, like, his wife is telling him he needs to let go and be who he really is, it's like, it gives him an excuse to search for that and be absurd in his attempt to do what his wife told him to do. True. And in some strange way, he is able to save the youth of the streets in a way you know through by being a parental figure for Mm -hmm. them albeit not you know it it would certainly be worse if they stayed with cheddar versus him Mm -hmm. so let's just say that um will forte first off for me unrecognizable uh, but i loved how he just got into this character of this Mm -hmm. uh, of this drug dealer a lot of commitment here (laughs) a lot of commitment (laughs) I applaud it. It was very funny. I loved the the one simple line, like, you live across from your drug dealer. <laughs> I'm like, yep, right there. When the police are literally, like, 20 feet away from them. So funny. I mean, I don't think you can deny this. This film is, relies heavily on coincidence, but luckily they make coincidence funny. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's what you got to go with sometimes. I mean, even even the mom living right, right there, like, Ma, I got this. It was a fun character. Like drug dealers are are a good way, to, a good place to just like have fun with a, a role. Mm-hmm. And I I love that they brought Will Forte in. He was but, hilarious. There was also just like a wide range of bad guys, gangsters, drug dealers. Like each of them had their own persona and their own power. And I I thought each one was very entertaining. Yeah, and uh, the the other kind of one that stood out. Was what's, what's his name? Um, in the movie, um, he's the drug dealer. Uh, Jason Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. Who played Easy E in Straight Outta Compton? Um, he was the interesting part to me was that he was kind of torn between this movie because he, he didn't want to start to be typecast as a gangster because mm-hmm. of obviously playing Easy E in Straight Outta Compton. But you know, that's to me, he's just, you're just a good actor. I mean, that, that, that's what. Straight out of Compton definitely showed that he's mm-hmm. capable of that. And then this is just, he's just funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can understand, like, we don't know what's been going on behind closed doors. Like, maybe every script he's gotten, it has been very similar roles. Like, maybe this was the most different, was, was, was just that he was gangster, but there was a comedic twist. We don't know what scripts he's been getting or offers he's been getting. But I agree that I think that he was a really talented actor, and I'd be wanting to see him in... A variety of roles. Absolutely. And one of the things we definitely had, so Keanu Reeves did end up making the movie. Um, And I know Zach and and Sarah, you guys have a lot of this information. Um, 
but uh, it was interesting how he kind of got involved. Well, I can start with the fact how originally he wasn't. I'll start with the fact that from at first it was a no. Yeah, from, I love that his people just said he, they just straight up no. Like it's not they don't even know if they they he ever saw the script. His people just like no, we're not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> politely, but was a no. And then what ended up happening was that Keanu Reeves' sister saw the trailer and thought it looked hilarious. Went to Keanu Reeves and was like, "You need to be in this." Of course, this is very late in the game. So they had to make adjustments, and what you get is the inclusion of the dream sequence, everything like that, but it was so close to when it was premiering at South by Southwest that they didn't even get Keanu Reeves' name in the credits for that premiere, but it's been changed. Wow. Supposedly. This is according to the news. Talk about cutting it close. Yes, and they even said they had to prompt... Keanu Reeves to be more Keanu-y. That was a word. What does that even mean? Keanu-y. Well, the studio was pushing for... Yeah, exactly. The studio was pushing for, like, lines that he... Keanu is famous for saying. So, like, they're really pushing for Matrix lines, for whatnot. But they didn't want to go right that far. But they did at least put forward the be more Keanu-y. And Keanu Reeves did comply with that suggestion. Were you guys sure it was him when you first saw it? I didn't I didn't know for sure until I saw the credits. I knew before going in that it was going to be his voice. Oh, okay. And I thought that it could have been pushed a little further to show that it was him. Yeah, it for me it was like I think that could be Keanu Reeves, but I wa- I wasn't sure until I saw his name. Listed. I agree. I had no idea. I only knew I knew right away from the music that they were parroting the Matrix um because it's a very famous like score mm-hmm. uh, at least for me who's probably seen the matrix 10,000 times uh so i think they, it it could have benefited from the line of like hey man i'm keanu reeves no legit i'm keanu reeves and i'm telling you what to do um i i enjoyed just having something as simple as keanu's voice that kind of in a way if in a way, it really validates this movie. Like, you have a movie called Keanu, mm-hmm. and then you actually have Keanu Reeves in it. Well, they've come out and said that the title uh, named Keanu came basically from their love of action stars. It mm-hmm. didn't... They had to clarify with Keanu Reeves that it wasn't them making fun of him. Like, they really do like him. Um, but they've even said they they it was a marketing tool to use that name yeah. and bring, to get, bring people in. Like, they didn't need people to think oh this is a key appeal movie they were like keanu is a big thing and then they'll come in they'll laugh and they'll realize it's a key appeal movie so it's a strategic plan on them it was not made just for kicks and giggles <laughs> i mean i didn't know it was key appeal when i first saw the posters mm-hmm. and stuff i saw just like what is this movie that has key that is called keanu and has a gangster cat <laughs> and I, ha- I have to know more. And you were intrigued. See, I saw the trailer first, and I immediately knew it was Key and Peele. Mm. Yeah, from now on, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, like, Will Just Smith. name everything, like, Cher, Madonna. Yeah. yeah. People will come see it. Absolutely. Put strange animals on the cover. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but you got to love that kid. Come on. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, of animals, right? So the snake is apparently named Montana. This is a little bit of an Easter egg. It's a, for me, it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, Clarence's wife's name is Hannah. 
Combine the two, you get Hannah Montana. <laughs> oh, good a little Lord. bit of a, of a stretch for me, but sure. but it's there. <laughs> and people have made this connection. Okay. So, and how does Peter how feel does about the snake? Hannah Montana correlate with this film. Listen, that was uh, that was one scary snake, and uh, I hate snakes. And then when they at the end, <laughs> when the drug dealer Hulka is just being eaten. Yeah, he's just oh, yeah. halfway through the entire mouth of this snake. It's yeah. such a funny moment to just like close out that whole sequence on. It's absurd. <laughs> I'm laughing now, just thinking I'm in so much pain. <laughs> what, what it I, looked painful. What, what I like about it uh, is just the economy of of all of these jokes. Right? They they recycle them, they innovate them, so nothing. Nothing is put on the table that isn't used again and, and, and switched up, um, I, which I think is wonderful. It's true. So. I think every bad gangster has a snake pet. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs> no, but, I mean, a pet as a snake. I thought they did a phenomenal job just being of the animals, like the the playing with the kittens, like in the in what they were doing was so well done. It never felt like they had lost control, even though I'm sure it was insanely difficult. It's a very consistent tone for me. Like, consistently funny. Like, even the bits where it was just focusing on a cat running, I was actually laughing out loud. And I was just like, that's pretty good. All you're showing me is a cat running, and I'm laughing. The cat running, like, with action sequences, like, explosions or gunfire around him was, the, like, one of the funniest parts of the movie. It was, and it was dramatic music with it as well that made it, like, this is a serious thing, a cat running, because we're fearing for this kitten's life. It's so good. I thought that was wonderful, and uh, one of my favorite lines in the whole thing, Clarence, towards the end, when he's like... They're communicating. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, speaking of the cats, so uh, total count seven cats? Yes. Yep. Um, and yeah. one of them, most of them were for them the same litter, but as those got too big, they had to pull from another litter because they needed to keep this kitten look. And they did apply some cat makeup, but I believe cat-friendly makeup, <laughs> to oh. make the markings... Try and same. look similar. I don't think I could get exactly the same because it is a, a cat, but they tried. I wouldn't tried. have been able to tell one way or the other. Enough that we could not tell the difference. Yes. Mm. Yeah. At no point was I going, oh, that cat's yeah. different. Yeah, and the cats got trained to do different things. Some were just trained to basically sleep. Some were to claw. Some were to snuggle. Some were to run. You know. Yeah, okay. It was a serious role. Very serious. Well, no, but yeah, I mean, it is, if, if you don't buy this cat, mm -hmm. uh, now obviously, like, for the most part, any kitten you get is going to be cute, but if you don't buy, as we talk, the, the, the running and then this and that, it's not going to work. I mean, the clawing yeah. at the end, I mean, that, that's a pivotal scene where Keanu has to save our, our two mm -hmm. guys. You know, if that doesn't work, the movie's yeah. out. So, you're, <laughs> I love the absurdity of pinning everything on this. Like, the premise is absurd enough, but to actually then execute it with, an, with actual kittens is uh, quite I found a it. Task. I found it fascinating because uh, they, they talked about, like, having to work with the cats and what was hard and what was easy. And they said it was a lot easier to get the running 
get the cats like running from place to place or like from explosions or all that than it was to just get them sitting still and having like rail interact with it like that was the hardest part um uh, and i can tell you it uh, for, i have first-hand experience with this it is very difficult to get a cat to sit still on camera uh, <laughs> i directed a sketch i think two years ago for uh for awesomeness tv called ben katzenberg uh cat meme agent and we had we had like three different live cats throughout the sketch, or maybe it was two, two two different live cats, and we had to get it to sit there in a chair and just have a guy yell at it, and the cat just did not want to stay there. It took a long, long time to get those shots. I can imagine. Oh. There's this deterred away from uh, Keanu too. Then <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, we we don't want to work with I don't kids know. no more. There's a there's a trainer who can like has a bear that he can put his head in the bear's mouth. So I think that they can make cats figure something out. But remember, it's not cats. It's always going to be kittens because Keanu can't mm-hmm. grow old. That's right. That's true. It has a condition, right? That was <laughs> a surprise condition. <laughs> surprise condition. That was such an adorable line. Like, he has a condition. He'll be a kitten forever. It's like so stupid. <laughs> and uh, she played it so well because there was that beat of, like, he has a condition. And literally, I, 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 the entire audience, it was just long enough where the entire audience is ready to almost tear up. It's like, what's going to happen to this kitten? Oh, he's just going to be a kitten. Oh, okay, cool. So it works. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about a little more of the production angle of, of everything. Uh, so the director is Peter Antensia who has done all 54 episodes as a director of Key and Peele. So, obviously, they've known each other for quite some time, and he understands them. Um, and this is what uh, Jason Mitchell said of them. Peter and Jordan and, and Keegan have a bond because they've been working together for so long. It's such a passion project for these guys, so coming into it has just been a pleasure. I, I mean, like it sounds like a good team. They've obviously been successful. I think that's why it's so tonally consistent. It's because these people have been working together for years, know the sense of humor, can probably, like, their comedy chemistry is insane, so I'm sure their work ethic also shines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to work with directors that you're, you know, you have a well-established um, working relationship. And I think... Also, they he knows what Key and Peele are like, and so to keep that consistent comedy throughout for the mm-hmm. fans of the show should be also fans of the movie. Yeah, and he also probably knows their timing, knows how long to keep the take going, can tell when they're stopping yeah. and starting, like what to capture that is strong improv or whatnot. I'm, he has a read on them, or at least you would hope after so long together yeah especially the improv stuff because these guys are like prolific improvers and they talk about how much they did it on set and that like um peel was very uh or uh, keegan had talked about that uh peel was very much like in, like improvising with the cat whenever the cat would like misbehave or like not misbehave but like do something like walk away and yeah. he would play with that and you ha- you need a director that knows how to work with those guys and to give them those moments to let them play while also making sure you're getting what you need at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, you know, it came out on screen. Um, you know, the, the challenge for them was always going to be how do you translate it to the movie, right? Because then ultimately you just have to figure out 
how to edit it all together so it does make sense. And uh, we talked about, Sarah, if you want to kind of name any slight nitpicks, but we, we all kind of chose ours and we agreed, for, you know, that whatever they were on the whole, it worked so well that it didn't matter. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that there's questionable plot holes and the motivation's ridiculous, but I felt I'm always about the goal of whoever's making it coming across. Because that's really, yes, you can be nominated or you can make lots of money, but I hope that most people who have a vision for what they want to create, if their vision's accomplished, then that's a success. And it seems to me, from my experience, which was like laughing out loud in this theater and reading the interviews, which is like that's what they wanted, just to make people laugh, for it to be ridiculous, to kind of be a little bit of an escapism movie. All those are check marks, so they did a good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Comedy's hard. Comedy's very yeah. hard. Comedy's very hard. I think that more often than not, we get on here and talk about a comedy, and typically there's like just chunks of it that could disappear, or... There's funny moments, but you're not talking about the whole thing being funny, at least recently. And I thought that as far as this stands up for, like, this year, it's it's one of the funniest movies I've seen in a while. I agree. I 100% agree. And, and as I said, uh, I forget if you were here for it, but it's just, um, it's just a bunch of passionate people that got together and, and they wanted to form this movie. It, it reads, or it like you see it like a passion project. This is something that obviously these guys had to want to make. Mm-hmm. Th- this couldn't possibly have been something they're like, well, sure, we'll get through Keanu. Yeah, this wasn't something either that there was like a huge, you know, studio pressure. It was like, yes, this is the best idea ever. Center a movie around kidnapping a cat for gangsters. But I can imagine the pitch, like, hey, listen, on YouTube, there are 300 million cat videos. Everyone loves cats. Yeah, the cat aspect, I would say, is actually sounds like a studio pitch. Like, we're going to send, like, because, like, we had the Grumpy Cat movie. I think that was a right. movie. I don't even think it made it to theaters. Oh, I think they I ended up just releasing that. it like straight to video or on cable. Um, but like somebody greenlit the Grumpy Cat movie, and so like I totally believe that there's studio executives like yeah, if we knew how, if we could just monetize cat videos, we could be rolling in the in the dough. Yeah, I would yeah. just think of it as like it's such an untested and film thing. I what. But it was a movie, and it was made, so Such there you an go. unnecessary thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, if you'd pitched me this movie, that sort of, like, would have been my initial reaction. It was only... Because, like, even when I saw this stuff, like, when I learned more about it, I was like, okay, okay. Oh, it's Key and Peele? All right. I'm, I'm going. Okay, but I'm without in. Key and Peele, what do you think? I would not have seen this in theaters, most likely. I would have prob- maybe watched it on, like... Comedy Central when it got there. Without Key and Peele or a similar caliber like group of comedians, I would not have seen this movie. Yeah, it yeah, would have been something I mm-hmm. would have watched like when the, there was like literally nothing on it just came on and I might watch it, but I would not have sought it out without Key and Peele behind it. Got it. I agree because, you know, I mean, uh, I, I would have treated more like a parody movie, not, not that it's not, but like uh, I, I, to me, I would have looked at it the same way I look at Scary Movie. 
and at first that was novelty and now it's just kind of declined into this like you know what maybe mm-hmm. i'll check it out but it's not gonna really appeal to me that much gotcha. anymore um so i appreciate it uh you know one of the things i didn't see and that i would love to kind of collect uh, but they spoofed various posters whether the martian the revenant mad max the big short star wars bad boys scarface uh captain america speed the matrix and deadpool were all spoofed um and i was trying to find all these different posters and i'm wondering how many posters of these of keanu did you guys see I saw the big short one, um, which I found very creatively, because actually I haven't seen the big short movie, but I always did like the poster of the visually what it looked like, and I think it was very smart that they put the cat like everywhere um, on all these posters. It was really funny. I had only seen, I really only had seen a couple, and now I feel disappointed that I didn't get to see the rest, and I might have to look these up, because I did see the Martian one, and I saw the Mad Max Story Mm -hmm. Road one, but I didn't see any other ones. Now I feel very let down. I'm sad. <laughs> well, now, the internet yeah. will be my savior. I think that's also very just great promotion on its, you know, in and of itself. Yeah. Did you have more of an affinity towards home. the Martian and, and Mad Max? <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. No, I think maybe that they just knew those are your fa- more favorite movies, and uh, maybe they're just the ones I noticed. Are you yeah. saying? And I just was drawn to them more. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I yeah, do here's think the poster for uh, bring him bring home. Bring him home. <laughs> it's a nice strategy. Keanu. Smart. Keanu. So yeah, and it just kind of makes you go, "What? What is that? What am I watching?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did their festival run and everything like that. What I do appreciate it is that now in hindsight, because I don't think this was part of the. You know, they didn't necessarily tie this into the marketing aspect of it, but once you see the movie, right, the fact that these are the posters, the fact that he was making Cat Calendar, it t- works. It goes 360. I agree. You know, mm-hmm. and, and ties in together at the end of the day. <laughs> these posters are hysterical. I'm going to bring up a couple of them in just a sec. But unfortunately, it didn't get that. The marketing, despite our enjoyment of it, and how much we like this movie, it didn't really bring in the numbers. Or even at least the numbers that were projected or wanted. Um, it was projected around 10 to um, ten to 14 million. Well, and some people even had it higher than that. Did they? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I, but at the same time, it, it just missed the $10 million mark. So I wouldn't necessarily call it like that far off. And here, like to me, the Jungle Book is just killing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I chalk it up more to that than I, I think this movie is going to have great word of mouth, great legs, and um, I, I think it'll continue. Because uh, what other comedy is really? Out I think there? it'll also have a really yeah. good str- like streaming run. I think that once this hits things like Netflix, Redbox, I think a lot it will draw a big audience there. Because it also is comedies are generally things you. It's fun to sit on your couch and watch them with friends and just be like, well, well, you know, have a nice laugh. Right. And also, yeah, I mean, this movie was up against, again, Jungle Book, but also you had the Huntsman sequel coming back. So you had, you know, the returning fans that of the fantastic death movie. Film yeah, but this had to this one. better reviews than both than the Huntsman, Mother's Day, Ratchet and Clank, that would barely got even recognized. Like, not to mention that, like, you have, like, this weekend, you have Civil War opening, and for people who budget their movies, it's like, I can't go every week. I can only go a certain amount of times a month. 
it Keanu is just like a well, that's a good DVD movie. Yeah. It's something you. It's something like if you're going to the movies, great. I want to see that, but it's not something that you are desperate to see if you're not already planning a night out. Mm-hmm. I'll plan a night out. This I'm sure people did. It was called Civil War, and it will be talk. We'll talk about it soon. Talking about it next week. Well, we'll definitely be. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it next week. I think that's our only movie for next week. Here's another uh, poster. It's uh, the <laughs> Revenant. Revenant. Cat lost, cat found. <laughs> Inspired by true events. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It's so creative. I love creative people. They're amazing. <laughs> we do indeed. Um, okay. Uh, you know, let's talk full numbers. So I mentioned it made about $9.5 million opening weekend. Um, came in at third. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... To Jungle Book and the Huntsman on not one of the... Everything that week kind of came in on the lower side. Yeah. And there was really no big national holidays either that would hinder them from going to see these movies. Yeah, but the movie needed to come out before you're going to get into summer and it's just completely overshadowed by things like Civil War and we have a bunch of animation coming out. We have... It's about to be very crowded. Disney movies coming out. A lot there. All right. Do you uh, guys do you guys think there were was any confusion just like with the cute cat in an outfit on a poster and then because it's so adult, do you, do you think any kids wound up in this movie horrified? Probably. I'm sure at least one. At least one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, some little girl who was like, "I want to play with the kitten." And then ended up in this movie, and their parents were horrified. She's just running around, kid, please, kitten, please. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I went into this film not really realizing that how much drugs and swearing was going to be involved in this film. I mean, from the trailer, you see it's like a fun, kind of adventurous mm-hmm. action movie. But like watching the actual content, I didn't realize like how much drug. Um, involvement was going to be in it. How oh, yeah. much swearing, how much gangster kind Nudity, of world was going to be in it. Death, yeah. violence. Yeah, there, there was a lot more in this film that I wasn't actually really expecting. Well, I don't... I, he's, at the end of the day, I don't... It, it, with these types of movies, what's fun about it is I don't think you can be prepared. Nothing's going to prepare you for the absurdity that you're about to face. I mean, you, you just have that expectation of, okay, this is... The whole premise is about a cat being taken. It's absurd to begin yeah. with. You got to yeah. just go with it. Yep, true. And if you don't buy in, it's no good. No. Um, any final thoughts as we wrap this out? I think one of my favorite yet simple scenes of this film was when they were all establishing who they were. And, you know, uh, when they first got into that world, they're like, um, let's, our bonding time. Stitches. Like, yeah, let's. Share one real moment of each other, or like the two. one truth, or yeah, two two things about yourself, um, and, and then the whole like establishment of the the flipping off the wall that we'll also later see in the end that actually had to pay off too. So like, I, for some reason, I laughed a lot during everyone's, um, you know, we switch flip day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna flip today, but tomorrow exactly. I'm gonna flip. And it paid off, as Marissa said. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but it was so funny. Yeah. I know it wasn't Keegan doing it, but I was still impressed. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was funny. It, it, it is. Was a great so unexpected. It was a great scene. I laughed out loud so many times in this movie 
for that it's easy to recommend but I would only recommend it to people who find the concept funny it's like if you find this concept intriguing you're probably gonna find the movie funny if you Mm -hmm. hear the concept and you're kind of like ew you're not gonna like it yeah it's a good point it's that's pretty it's just a straightforward way to figure it out if this movie's for you it delivers what it promised Mm -hmm. like it promised you a cat movie with ridiculous jokes and it delivered exactly that nothing more nothing less true yeah and I did like the twist at the end with uh, Iglesias and, and, and the whole drug family um, because I did not see that coming, to be honest. Um, so I like that because I was curious as to why Cheddar was treating these Allentown brothers the way he was. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, my final thoughts is, you know, I, I greatly appreciated this movie. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's good to, you know, support movies that have originality, whether comedies or otherwise. Uh, and that's what's gonna keep getting these made to go support to tell your friends mm-hmm. it's funny Zach anything from you um I mean this was just a it was it was fun um I like I could see rewatch I could see myself rewatching this movie in like six months like just it's like if I'm like sitting at home like what do I watch oh Keanu's on great putting it on it's mm-hmm. just it's that perfect balance of a stupid concept done in a smart way that it just it worked mm-hmm. um, and I, I ho- I'm looking forward to the next thing that this team does since there's no more they're not doing key and peel anymore I expect them they'll probably do another feature soon and I, I'm very much looking forward to like them taking what they did well here and expanding on it I agree I agree yeah absolutely well thank you guys for watching us yet again on another uh, anatomy of movie here on popcorn talk sarah stratton now has a twitter yeah although i can... haven't been using it but it's at sarah underscore stratton i'm gonna try to use it more keep tweeting at her so that way she's just just overwhelmed and has to there you go you can follow me on twitter at seraphini tv zach wilson uh you guys can find me on twitter instagram and youtube at that zach wilson t-h-a-t-z-a-c-h-w-i-l-s-o-n that's right. And thank you guys for joining us today. Let us know in the comments section what you guys thought of this movie, what was your favorite scenes, and things of that nature. Uh, next week we'll be doing Civil War, Captain America 3, the latest one. We've got so much to talk about on that one, so definitely check back in. Um, obviously, the, the summer offers a wide array of movies that we'll be talking about, so check back in. And also, uh, you know, we, if we, we've done a lot of movies in the past. John Wick in particular if you want to check out that dissection go back so you know you don't have to see all of the movies but for the ones you do check back in that's all we ask Um, The Popcorn Talk on Instagram and Twitter movie anatomy for this show specifically thank you guys for joining us we'll see you next time Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.